0: That's a groovy button. What does it say? Hey, it's just what the world needed. Another monkeys podcast. Well, I'm Al Bigley. And I'm Alan Williams. And it's time for... Uh, so, yeah, we got to come up with a name. The um, Texas... Uh, Home con- and, uh, and uh, save the parts. Texas whales in the forest. Uh, uh, d-
1: contain-
0: uh, <laughs> save uh, <laughs> the, the the prairie yeah, the home prairie chicken, chicken people. The chicken and waffles and the save the Texas prairie chicken. Save the uh, <laughs>
2: make mine save, bring
0: the uh, the waffle with iron waffle with the chicken with and the, chicken the base and the turkey and. and uh, it's the you know it's the same the the, the the big time uh, prairie uh, the home home fires burning save to
3: save the Texas prairie chicken
0: save yeah. it uh, it's, it's um prairie? Yeah, that's, 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 save the Texas prairie uh, it, can be, it can it can be something like save the I, you know the, the, the thing of the, the eagle the winged Texas, uh, the the Texas, the the Texas prairie chicken the wings and it's the save the Texas prairie chicken I got an idea Thing with this bulb hanging over my
1: head the Let's texas prairie chicken yeah. companion.
2: Isn't that dumb. and with that we
0: welcome you to episode number two 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 they two, said two. it couldn't be done and we
2: didn't do it we tried not to but we uh, was it was they used to say on eighty the 80s to 89 tour well we had a request but we're gonna go on singing anyway so but yes We welcome you to episode number two of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast.
0: You know, we've received just tons of adulation and warm Um, regards. Would uh, you believe uh, we've gotten thousands of supportive emails?
2: uh, Would you believe no? You don't believe that? Uh, I have a hard time believing that, no.
0: Would you believe 28 postage due letters were sent in by prison inmates?
2: Eh, It's a little bit high for me, too, I believe.
0: Would you believe one phone call accidentally butt-dialed by my cousin in Jacksonville?
2: That I would believe.
0: Crickets? Crickets. That was my Don Adams impression. Missed it
2: by that
0: much. And you thought I was still on my allergy meds, when actually I'm coming down from all kinds of good drugs that they gave me after laser optic surgery.
2: Obama cured its finest. No, wait, this is the wrong... wrong, The colors, man.
0: The colors. The colors. Oh, thanks for everyone that supported us and had good things to say. Keep on emailing us on Facebook and at our famous um, regular podcast page. If you have questions or requests, we're pulling together some good ideas for future shows. So just let us know what you want to hear or discuss.
2: Absolutely. And for those of you who have no idea who we were since you didn't listen to the first podcast, and if you didn't, why not? I I am Alan Hubble Benson Williams.
0: I'm Al, Mr. Schneider Bigley.
2: And like I said, Al, Al hit it right on the head. You guys were wonderful to accept the first podcast. We had almost 300 listens on SoundCloud, 30 listens on uh, um, iHeart, and I'm not sure about iTunes because they keep this. It's like trying to find Apple's secrets. It just doesn't happen.
0: We had three requests for their money back, but no refunds.
2: No refunds. That's right. This is an as-is podcast. So so tell me, Kimasabi, what are we going to speak about today?
0: We have a veritable potpourri of... Subjects. You got my. I got my dictionary out here. My thesaurus. Your,
2: your potpourri. Okay. Of right.
0: Course. We weren't going to talk about that, were we? No. Um. We're going to talk about a few things. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has snubbed our group once again. And well. Get,
2: yeah. You're gonna. Yeah. Don't get me started <laughs> on that.
0: Snubbed <laughs> is in. Snubbed is in. Overlooked. I'd rather use that term. We're also going to have a special treat talking about the 1986 Monkees reunion, where so many of today's fans. Got their first glimpse of the group thanks to MTV and Rhino Records.
2: That's right. And we're also going to start a new feature this week. And I'm going to let Al pick one of the first three or four episodes. And we're going to talk about some of the actors and actresses that were in the show with the guys. Some things you may not know about them. Some of them you might be. And the one I think I want to, I want him to do is I think I want you to do Monkeys in a Ghost Town. Because that has some really cool stuff for us. So that's coming up a little bit later.
0: Absolutely. Now we also want to jam in one of my famous Monkeys remixes and I think I will spotlight my remix of Randy Skouskit with a little preamble oh, about do you, it. And,
2: uh, what are you calling me that for? <laughs> you've got no reason to call me that you know, now. You, you You've need, known each other for so long, and now you're going to start calling me that? You need an alternate title, I think. Oh, okay. All right, well, then I'll go that way. But yes, um, to kick things off, I'm going to be... If, if you've gone to the phone, uh, the homepage, you've seen The phone my, page? Yeah, the phone the homepage. Phone booth? The E.T. phone homepage. <laughs> you've seen my little rant... Um, I make no bones about it. Jan Winter is a useless piece of
0: At this point it's wise to mention that the views heard on this podcast are not necessarily reflective of the views of both podcasters.
3: Rhino Records, the monkeys, monkeys deep parents, wind deficiency, or stomach punch. Have you ever suffered from depression? Uh, thank you Wall for that
2: disclaimer. Yes, the lawyers appreciate it every time, tree, I trust me. No I'm gonna be brief. I have no use for Jan Winter. I have no use for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I cannot understand why such a petty Napoleonic little man with a complex insists on carrying this much vitriol for our guys for this long. Can I
0: have that thesaurus back, please?
2: Uh, no, it's it's my thesaurus. That's my thesaurus. But My
0: doctor said I had a, uh, a fractured thesaurus once. I had to wear a cast for two weeks.
2: But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter whether they go in or not, but as long as John Wynn is alive, guys, as much as we want them to, the monkeys will never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so we can keep hoping, we can keep on it, but it's all on Jan Winner. And if you and I'll say this much, I saw somebody write the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame saying they and they sent you this formatic thank you email. It really doesn't do any good to email because they don't have any stroke. It's all Jan winner. He's the one who decides who wants to who gets nominated and I would love to be able to meet him in a dark alley and introduce Whoa. him to my ten friends here. But that's that's just Say me I again.
3: to my ten little friends. That's right.
2: Again, this does not reflect the views of my partner, the <clears> monkeys, <throat> Rhino Records, Zilch, anybody else affiliated with the monkeys in any way, shape, or form. This is just my own opinion.
0: Please take only as directed. May cause slight drowsiness. May cause terminal cancer. May cause...
2: Punch a lesbian. Do not operate I'm heavy tree. machinery while taking tree. over. Or I'm done are with are the vitriol.
1: It's right? all me.
0: Well, that's interesting. My opinion of all of it is I really don't care. Will it bring the monkeys any more respect outside of our own fandom? I don't think so. We live in a time now where Rolling Stone magazine is giving them good reviews. We never thought we'd see that. They're making the 100 bands you must hear before you die lists. A few years ago, somebody just wrote, it's 2012. Who's not listening to the monkeys? You know, it's like we live in that world now where if you don't get it by now, who cares? Right. And I don't care because it's not going to change my opinion or the people that already like them.
2: Well, I, I, I guess I truly don't care either. It's just that I have this complete disdain for Jan Winter because this is just him being a jerk, period.
0: As far as this is concerned, I always love to quote the great Groucho Marx who said, quote, I don't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member, unquote.
2: Send a secret way and win $100. <laughs> give me $200, I'll tell you what the secret way is.
0: Wamp wamp wamp. A more ego, he could be president. It'll never sell. No, um, you know, I never cared about sitting at the cool kids' table. Didn't care about acceptance. Realized all that was kind of a sham early on. That there was nothing there. It's all just kind of puffery.
2: True, and, and as I wrote in the commentary, a lot of their peers think the world, and a lot of their peers respect them. They've got the respect of, I mean, Glenn Tilbrook is a squeeze. Rock and Roll Hall we can fame go on band. forever. We can go on forever. That's right. I mean. When you get the rub from Frank Zappa, I'm sorry, that is the, and the ultimate, Beatles, and the, the
0: Beatles ultimate. liked them and respected them and knew what they were up to and so,
2: got it. So, Jan Winner, <laughs> take your little Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and dive into Lake Erie.
0: Oh, boy. Do you know, fun fact here, no extra charge, Jan Winner appeared in an issue of Daredevil in like 74 or 75. You know, Marvel was having people like Yuri Geller and Yuri Geller. Geller. Thank you. I love his sister, Sarah Geller McGar. Wait, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. Buffy that's it Yes. Buffy Magar too. I love her. I got all her CDs too. Um, no, they were going through that period where you'd have like Nixon and Kissinger mm-hmm. and all those real life personalities. And I guess they wanted to give the nod to the then rolling super stain. hip. Yeah. The rolling stain <laughs> owner at the time. So, then. uh, for those not knowing Mickey Dolans once applied that less than honorable moniker to, uh, the magazine.
2: That's why we love him so much because pretty good for a long hair. We're pretty tight for a long hair weirdo, huh, America? Very good.
0: So so, right. so my, my thing is it's just if the monkeys get in, it'll be great. And if we also talk criteria, which is interesting, the monkeys should be in. Are we going to talk record sales? Yes. Influence? Yes. yes. Innovation? Yes. Mm-hmm. We could talk about country rock. We'll Moog synthesizer.
2: Nez's con- contributions alone should get him into the Hall of Fame simply because he is The godfather of MTV. Video
0: rock. That's right. I mean, we go on and on again. The first
2: video band of all time. Right. So, I mean, if Sugar Ray ever gets in before the Monkees, I will be shocked because the fact that Sugar Ray is nothing but the 90s and the millennia's version of the Monkees. All you have to do is watch their videos. Right.
0: So to me, it just means if they get in, it's more junk for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to sell and profit from in the gift shop. True. More Monkees keychains and trinkets and, you know, maybe a little more respectability, but
2: Okay. Anyway. I th- All right. I, I, Are we I, done? No, I, I think you're. I think you're right, and I think I will shift. Ladies and gentlemen, something is about to happen. Alan is about to change his mind. So,
0: did I sway you? Yes, you did. Do I need to put away the bat gas? I don't need to spray you again. You don't need to. Sp- no, Batman, please not
2: the bat gas again. I promise I'll be good.
0: Okay. That's what they told me after I stayed over a little too long at Frank's Mexican eatery last Wednesday.
2: It was that, that taco kind of bat, night. That kind of bat gas can be lethal.
0: It was. Two-for-one taco night, citizens. Can anyone blame me? Free tequilas after
2: 12. Adam West, ladies and gentlemen, he's here all week. <laughs> okay, now um, down, now that I'm done ranting, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Talk about your remix. I want, I want to hear the remix of Randy Skowski. Tell, tell everybody how you come up with these remixes, where they came from, where, in your mind.
0: Where they came from and where they're going like a lot of my remixes on one of the deluxe sets, possibly, I think it's the headquarters deluxe set, one of the many amazing monkeys products Rhino has given us. They of course gave us various run throughs of Randy Skalskit without the vocals. And I thought, let's take this, especially there's one early, it wasn't even a tracking uh, uh, take. It was just the guys noodling around. And I love the scatting section in the middle, which was different from what we got, but the tempo was about the same. So though, let me take the backing because a lot of my remixes it's almost like taking an old model kit and taking it apart and surrounding yourself with the various parts and saying, I don't want that part. I'm going to take this part. I'm going to double this part. I'm going to put that here though, glue this there and just having fun deconstructing and then reassembling these things. So for Randy Skalski I wanted that basic bed. I took Mickey's vocals from elsewhere, gave him kind of a bouncing from left to right channel ethereal quality. I melded in that different scat for the middle bridge and then melded in the regular bridge we're used to. I also tried to accent when they're coming up to the manic portions, the, you know, why don't you cut your hair stuff? Mm. I wanted to build that, that, uh, that big uh, bass drum, the tippany, the tippany drum uh, advancement. So you can really hear it and it really switches gears. Uh, I probably lengthened the song a little bit here and there, but that's basically
2: it. So before, before you play it, what got you interested in doing these? I've, I've always wondered that
0: a lot of people have asked me, why in the world is he, is he doing this? What, what for, why is he even bothering? No, I'm kidding. Um, it's just fun. Sometimes Rhino gives us all these different takes where, oh, I like the bridge on that version of star collector. And I like this on the end of this version. And I want to have like, I once remixed uh, tapioca tundra when they gave us all those different mic vocals. I'm like, why can't I have all this in one song? So what I did was I put one on channel left, one on channel right, which makes it even more of a disturbing, eerie song. It already was anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess I just want all these different elements in one three or four minute song. And I try to do it in a way that just doesn't bunch them on top of each other, but does it in an artful, interesting manner. Or there are some songs where I want certain things pushed to the forefront, like the bass in Salesman, or the things that make it a more of a dangerous or interesting rock and roll song i want that stuff pushed forward like i'm saying look did you ever realize this guitar was in here this
2: great drum beat it's kind of like the ones where you brought you, know, you play with the bass a lot on the original version of you just maybe the one yes on the first season
0: and oh my my and mm-hmm. things like that so it's just having fun saying let's put all these interesting things in one song instead of this take over here and take 37
2: over there and you put it in a blender spin it on frappe and see what comes out
0: sometimes it sure sounds that way but i try to avoid that hopefully it sounds uh Pleasant to most people. And I always encourage people to listen to these remixes with their headphones on. A lot of people I know are listening through their phones.
2: Mm-hmm. Or car stereos.
0: And I, these are really made for, for headphones. So you can go, Oh, look what he did there. And all oh, that's interesting. That's on that side. Or this has been added. Or,
2: well, I've gotten a kick. I mean, you've shared them all with me privately over the years. And I think they're great. So, Thank ladies you. and gentlemen, allow me to introduce my buddy, Al, Mr. Schneider Bigley's, his remix version of Alternate Titles. It is Randy Scouskit, aka alternate title, Al's remix of that.
0: It's a plus in 86 degrees. That was Randy Skowskit by the Monkees. Later on, we're we'll going to have a super fab, super special contest. Guess how many marbles are inside Tack Hammer's oh, intestines, and old you
2: old may old win Mike Nesma's tonsils. That's later today at
0: 7.
1: The, hey, you
2: you get that great out of the prize bin. I thought it was just going to be a couple of Davies old hairs, but that's another one. That, that's a good, I, I like that prize. That's item. next week, the big, big, big 1074 contest. The real Don Steele on the 96 K H J. The real Don Steele, the, the, 96KHJ, the, earthy, the real Alan Al Al. Al Williams, the real Al Bigley here.
0: Win a free phone call from Davy Jones, the voice lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <that> which
2: one? <laughs> All right. right. That's good. Okay. <laughs> right. enough, now, enough levity. Enough, le- enough levity. Mispronunciations. Okay. Enough. enough levity. All right. Time to move on to our next topic of the of the day. I which, got
0: spit on my script.
2: Spittle on your script? That's not good.
0: Where's the spit guard? You got oh, it. No
2: goodness. wonder. No wonder. Here, here. I think that spit. I yeah. hope it did. Never mind. <laughs> hmm. Now to talk about the return. It takes a lot out of you. Absolutely. The <laughs> return. In the 70s, as Al and I were growing up, I was, I was in my teens. Al was in, you were in your early oh, teens. Oh, I was right? a young, young you were, man. You were a young, young man. You know, we, I
0: turned 15 in 1980. So. All
2: right. So that tells you that I'm I'm I turned 20 in 1980. So, <laughs> during that time, I kind of drifted away from the guys a little bit because there wasn't anything available, and you know I'd worn out all the records, and you couldn't find them even in cutout bins anymore. So,
0: or you got endless rehashes of greatest
2: hits LPs. True.
0: And it was good to see the guys represented in any way, but it was like I've got Last Train to Clarksville, well, I've
2: got I'm a Believer, enough. It's always the same 14 smash hits. Right. So. And then Dolan's Jones, Boys and Heart came along in 1977, which moved the needle a little bit, but not very much. I mean, you know, they Is had, your needle moving right now? No, my needle is not moving right now. Thank you. My needle is stationary. <laughs> okay. So uh, you had, I remember the feeling, you had the uh, Dolan's Jones, Boys and Heart, the Good Time Hits for the Monkeys, the guys that wrote them, the guys that sang them. You, know, you had the Dinah appearance, but you know, I was in school and didn't really get to watch Dinah during the day.
0: Now here's an interesting sidebar. Because the guys were back... On TV in 1975, the show had been sold to various local markets as a syndicated package. In my area, it went from 75 to late 77, and after that, it was gone. I didn't see him again on TV until really the MTV days. But because of that blip in popularity, our Arista Records released that greatest hits package. Mm-hmm. Lori House did that two record set, but also the teen magazines of the day were giving the monkeys like a paragraph or a page, and I'm someone that missed the original monkey's heyday yeah. hey heyday oh, see what i did there hey, oh, okay. crickets um so i was sheepishly at 12 years old buying tiger beat and 16 just to get a paragraph of where are they now
1: absolutely
0: and going up to the counter and getting strange looks from the clerk that thought oh you must really love sean cassidy and the bay city rollers i just wanted the one paragraph saying don't Jones, Boys right. and Hart
2: showed up on, they're their touring state fairs around the world. And Dinah.
0: And Dinah. They're touring yeah. Dinah backstage. <laughs> Say the secret word, I give you 100 no
2: dollars. Hey, give me 200 dollars, I'll tell you what the secret word. No, we already did that yeah, one. Yeah, I think we did. Right. Let me Let
0: me consult the script again.
2: Uh, oh, it says here in the handbook? That's right. Script. All right. But, give then,
0: us all your money. <laughs> Is that so good? We, Is that good?
2: Yeah, that's good. So then we fast forward to 1985. Things are starting to happen a little bit. Uh, we know the 20th anniversary is coming around. I was working in a, uh, comp- for a company called Transworld Music, which actually was a record store back then.
0: Now, keep in mind, back then, every anniversary of any pop culture thing was not necessarily marked. So you were not getting specials for the 10th anniversary, of like Gilligan's Island no. or anything that we now mark as a special event. That just other wasn't than, really yeah, part of the culture. Other than the
2: Beatles, it was about it. Right. So then all of a sudden... One day uh, we start getting these records in, and we get the picture disc "Monkey Business," um, which absolutely just—I stopped me dead. It didn't make it to the shelf, ladies and gentlemen. I mm-hmm. bought that quicker than I could think. But then we also had the Japanese releases, the the import, the Japanese import.
0: See, LPs. for me, I was gobbling those up in like
2: '82, '83. Yeah. So then David Fishoff comes into the picture. But let me backtrack just a little bit. <clears throat> Before David Fishoff got a hold of the monkeys, David Fishoff had been producing what was known as the Happy Together Tour, started in 84. I was working at a little radio station in Saginaw, Michigan, which we sponsored that. So it if was, I
0: ever get to Saginaw again. That's
2: right. It's still one of my favorite destinations. tunes. Um, that show was the Association, the original lineup, Gary Puckett, who was very disappointing, Spanky McFarlane of Spanky and Our Gang, and Doubles of the Mamas and the Papas, and uh, Mark uh, Volman and Howard Kylan, the Turtles. Mm-hmm. So that was a phenomenal show. Did you see it? Yeah.
1: Okay. Front row. As a matter of
2: wow. fact, I, go yeah, I was working at the radio station at the time I was doing overnights. There you and go. uh, got to meet all the guys All uh, Terry Kirkman, Larry, Larry, R- Larry Ramos was just one of the coolest guys from the association you'll mm-hmm. ever
0: meet. Now, on my side of things, I'm in art school in my second year, and I remember catching, like back then you'd accidentally catch Davey on the Today Show announcing he's going to go do a week on the Queen Mary mm-hmm. um, or things or, like that. Or, or
2: Peter, on the, Peter on the Uncle Floyd right. show. Right
0: or every now and again there was a whatever became of TV special on
2: Entertainment Tonight, yeah
0: or you catch somebody making a quip about the monkeys Mm -hmm. I remember talking in my first year at an art school to a fellow uh, student who said, oh did you know Peter Tork was here a month ago, and he was back then he was playing clubs and things, Mm -hmm. as the Peter Tork Project had no idea, and that Mm would have floored me, but I didn't even think to to look at things like that, you just didn't think you were ever going to meet these guys, let alone be in the same room
2: and at that point yeah, Davy was spending most of his time in England. So was Mickey. You know, after seven years, Mickey was getting completely away from his monkeys. Uh, from his monkeys, Mike uh,
0: had his whole. He was winning his first that first video Grammy award. Mm-hmm, he was doing yeah. his whole thing with Pacific Arts.
2: Yep. So, so then, David Fishoff gets the idea that he wants to try to bring the monkeys to this Happy Together tour. So, he flies Peter in. Uh, Peter becomes gets, gets really impressed and gets decided he wants to get on board.
0: And of all people to begin with, Peter. Who, when we were growing up you thought of him and Mike as the guys that were more about the art and not the money side of things and were always reluctant to participate in the more commercial aspects well,
2: well my guess is at that point Peter had you know Peter had gone through some hard times sure you know uh, spent the three months in prison in Texas um, and he was he was as was it he he always said through 86 I'm in it for the money Just, you know, and, and that's
0: refreshing up. that can be refreshing to have someone say that let me interject here too. As a fan coming up, discovering the guys, you know, three or four years after they broke up in 69 or 70, whatever you want to look at as a demarcation point there, the monkeys are always a past tense interest there. They're, you know, you could collect the magazines and the records, but you realize it's something that belonged in the past. The idea of them getting back together wasn't really something bandied about. In the same way, you never thought, of course, the Beatles would get back together. Yes, there were groups like the Beach Boys doing those package tours and all that, but they seemed to come from like a different area.
2: Well, and also, at that point, Nez was completely distanced from the monkeys. Sure. Mickey had been, you know, Mickey had taken up residence in England. Michael Dolan's. Yeah, Michael Dolan's. Um, Davy was Davy was outperforming, and Davy, as Davy always says, I'll do 10 minutes when the refrigerator, re- refrigerator light like And he
0: out. was the one that carried the monkeys banner, right.
2: always. Absolutely. Even after Dolan's Jones' boys' sure. heart broke up.
1: Before so, and after.
2: So as I said, this is can, now we're going to fast forward to late 85. Right. Fishoff brings Peter Tork in to see one of the Happy Together tour shows. He was impressed enough that he agreed to work with Fishoff to try to get the other three guys on board.
0: Davy Jones, of course, was starring in Godspell on stage at the time, tending his horses, doing a lot of the things I mentioned earlier, various events and things like um, concerts around the country. Mickey was hesitant. By then he had a very successful career as a as a director in England after the Dolans Jones Boys and Heart days, directing things like the Bugsy Malone musical. Bugsy Malone musical, Metal, Metal Mickey. Metal Mickey. Which was not about him with prosthetics. It was about a little girl, much like Small, small Wonder. And small
2: Wonder, yep. And, but he, he always talks about oh, the BBC. Oh, we like we rather like that idea. Here's the money, go do it. Right. So that's what he loved about it. So and, and, I think, and he and he got away from being Mickey Dolans. He was Michael Dolans.
0: And I think he enjoyed just stepping behind the camera and being creative in that way too. Wasn't doing a lot of stuff musically of course, but in fact, he was very reluctant about being a live performer or a musical performer of any kind because he had been out of the limelight. Plus he was not sure who would be interested in seeing the monkeys again. Again, they're closing it on the 20th anniversary, but not everything was celebrated and examined the way it is now upon every
2: anniversary. I truly think this was the one that broke the mold. This was the one that set the, the, the tone for that going forward. So, But Fischoff is, is one of these guys that if he wants something, he's not going to take no for an answer. Mm. And Peter was convinced. So it basically, they just kept, the, as I recall, um, reading Peter and Fischoff went to England four different times. Finally, Davy agreed. And then it was just David Davey agreed to come on board. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen the interview that Mickey did, it's basically just him and uh, MTV guys in uh, almost like a production room with an editing room he's ta- and he's talking about it. He said he wasn't sure that he could still do it because the truth of the matter is other than going to Japan, I think one eighty-one, something like that, eighty or eighty-one. When the,
0: when the revival hit, and yeah. they all eventually, except yeah. Mike, toured uh, mm-hmm. a solo act over there.
2: Yeah, he hadn't really done anything musically since '77, when he and Davy mm-hmm. went to star in, uh, uh, to appear in Harry Nilsson's musical, The Point.
0: Now, keep in mind, too, Peter was performing, Davy was still performing, mm-hmm. Mike, in a way, at least behind, I mean, off stage, he wasn't mm-hmm. doing a lot of concerts, still doing a few. Yeah
2: but, but he was, was he was pretty much afraid he didn't he didn't think that he he was scared about doing it again you mm-hmm. know just that I don't know whether it, he was scared of being tight cast again or what but or it, it would it would fall flat
0: plus he had concerns too it doesn't seem old now but he's 45 years old
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm sure he thinks I got to be Mickey the monkey again and do Pratt Falls and jump up and down which mm-hmm. he still did quite admirably in that concert and mm-hmm. still does in a way but that was probably concerned too I'm not sure. 21 anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. I can't dive off. I can't dive off the stage into the Hollywood Bowl fountain. No, well, you could, the, but
0: almost electrocuting yourself because uh, you haven't let yeah. go of the microphone. Yeah. You big dummy, you. Yeah.
2: So, so what? Ha- so, so what happened? So what finally convinced them to do it, out? Money,
0: money. No, wait, wait. Let me go back to my script. Um, oh, it was Mickey's wife of the time, Trina. She convinced him. She said, "You know, we got the kids back then. The three daughters were quite young." Mm-hmm. We got the RV, we're tour the country, we're have fun. It can be like a little family vacation, plus you get paid well to have fun with your old bandmates. Now, keep in mind, this was supposed to be a little, what, 15-date anniversary tour? Like a nice look back for the hardcore fans. And it turned into, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but it turned into a monster.
2: It did. Well, and the... the it actually started out. Davey and Peter went on the road for two months in Australia, February and March of 1986. Very odd, line yeah, which <laughs> was the, it was funny because it's the first time they'd ever performed together separately. But they get they got along really well. Yeah. They played well show. So it was an interesting show from what we hear. I have so. on tape for years now,
0: mm-hmm. and a lot of what that was was them, or Davey, I should say, figuring out the arrangements and how a live monkeys 1988-86 show would sound and how it could be arranged. Cause Davy was the one that took care of a lot of that, not just the song arrangements, mm-hmm. but where the, the song listing and the, the set list and all that.
2: But here, and it was like, you're about to, you're about to, I don't know if any, I don't know if a lot of people know what you're about to tell them.
0: Surprisingly, Mike Nesmith, Papa Nes himself, had originally agreed to join them on what was a much smaller tour plan at the time, probably 10 to 12 dates. When the tour jumped from 20 dates to 200, Mike had a withdrawal because at the time he was producing the film Square Dance, plus a lot of his other Pacific arts duties. Mm-hmm. I remember fans were upset, but he just couldn't seem to get it across. Look, I'm a businessman that can't leave for a year That's away true. from
2: his business. But the thing of it is, I don't think that never got out to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. The fact that, well, I was going to, once it got to the point where Nez said, I'm, I can't go out, yeah. everybody kind of turned on him. But it had if it got to the point where if they'd known that he was originally supposed to go out, you know, right. I, I think he would. I think he would have gotten a lot less backlash. And the question mm. is, well, why don't you want to tour with the monkeys? Don't you like the monkeys anymore? I think that's where it got started. Well,
0: what also got started was he doesn't need to tour with them because he's rich because his mom invented liquid paper, which still sticks to him today. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Now you're right. This did not get a lot of publicity until it became a monster. So there was no coverage or press conferences where all four of them say we want to mm-hmm. do this, and then Mike has to drop out. Gee, that sounds like 1997, doesn't it? I'm not we'll, bitter.
2: We'll flash forward to that in a little while. I'm but not we'll bitter. We'll flash forward to that on another podcast. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I know. Uh, easy. easy. Yeah, n- no, 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 Hulk 1 <laughs> Nesmith.
0: <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm going to put the Hulk theme under this. Okay. But, oh, where were we? Back to the script.
2: Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, that one. Yes. Oh, Yes. Mike had hoped to squeeze the limited dates in between shooting schedules of Square Dance well, and I mean, it didn't happen.
2: And that, and that makes sense because in fact if you're shooting during the week you can go off on a you know a Saturday and yeah. Sunday and perform a couple of shows but yeah.
0: And see your old chums from yeah. 20
2: years earlier. And he's always liked it. I mean it's never been in a situation where he he I will say that it got for a while there in the early part, you know, the first second national band stuff. He didn't want to talk about it because that was not was that wasn't the focus of what he was doing. So all right, so here's here all right, so we're forwarding to nineteen eighty six. We're getting it ready, the, the happy together tours and they're gonna go out on the road with the grass roots, grass roots, grassroots, grassroots, hmm. grassroots hmm. Gary Puckett with the Union Gap, and Herman's Hermits, which That's included hard. Peter Noe 1.
0: Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely doll. Uh, no, Now, keep in mind, this is a package group. It's not the monkeys headlining. No. It's Shop one of these, like we said, we saw used to see with the Beach Boys. It's one of these um, well, they nostalgic been, tours. They would have been the headliners. It's just but not it. the big main draw. Yeah,
2: of course they would I mean,
0: Well, I mean, what it became yeah. later. But it was like it the was monkeys up. with these opening acts. It wasn't, oh, by the way, it's the monkeys with Herman's Hermits and yeah. the Union Gap. and
2: so I'm sorry to interrupt. That's this, all right. But, and then. Yes. The date which will live in infamy. A
0: drum roll will be inserted beneath this.
2: February 23rd, 1986.
0: Right. I lost my wisdom teeth that day. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Is that what the problem
2: is over the years? Two of them. That's
0: why I speak with such an amazing articulation.
2: (laughs) That is spit. I think that that is spit. That is spittle this time. Yes, (laughs) indeed. Three words. Pleasant Valley Sunday. That's right. That's right. All 58 episodes aired on music television back-to-back back, all that weekend, including the VJs, who i still look at it this way. And make some cringe. Alan Hunter talking about not knowing his head from his backside about the monkeys.
0: The movie head or anything else. Yeah. And they all still kind of dripped with venom, which was, you know, are we really talking mm-hmm. about the monkeys? Weren't we talking about David Byrne and Talking Heads last week? That's you right.
2: Know? So, And it, they got the guys to uh, actually eventually record some bumpers bumper music or bumper voiceovers for it so it was that weekend that monkey mania 2.0 was born
0: no i think i just got my fifth wisdom tooth it's coming in i can feel. oh anyway now let's have a little aside here i'm in art school in my last year we have keep in mind it's pre-internet we have one tv room with one tv very few other tvs on the campus I, I don't even know how I heard of it, but you better believe I planted myself. And it was amusing to see who came in and out during that 24 hours. And to me, it was just what it was. a pleasant look back at a show that was very nostalgic. Because, again, I hadn't seen it for, since seventh grade. And here I am in my last year of art school, of college. And it was interesting. It was a treat. I remember telling my mom, because, you know, VCRs had just exploded on the scene mm-hmm. then, you know. Go out and buy as many tapes as you want. The idea of owning these shows was incredible. Not just audio recordings like we did in the seventies. And then I thought, well, that's it. And it made me feel a little bittersweet because it came and went. I was much more into the music, but it was good to see this. Of course, I was excited to, to recall, like, oh, this is the episode with that alternate version of Love Is Only Sleeping, and see that again, hear that again. But to me it was that was it. It was a nice treat to see. Not knowing I remember thinking too, what are today's kids gonna to think of this? And I remember thinking like the preteens, they're gonna laugh at the expressions and the clothes. They're gonna laugh at groovy and bummer and trip and you know. Uh, I Had save no the, idea.
2: They're gonna laugh at save the Texas Prairie Chicken.
0: It is a kind of absurd thing to say when you think of it. No, but I really thought this is this is gonna go over like a lead balloon, and it's a treat for us that remember the show. And but Absolutely. but unbeknownst to most of us, these two things we've just mentioned were not related. It was not a synergistic kind of bit of exploitation. Can I have my, my thesaurus back, <laughs> The MTV thing was a standalone mm-hmm. idea. The David Fishoff tour was a standalone idea, but guess what happened? Suddenly everybody... Mm-hmm. Alan is ramming his fingers from both hands together in kind of a, Oh, now he's making another gesture.
2: <laughs> it's one of those things where the stars <laughs> and the planets and everything aligned. Rod Serling snapped his fingers, and what do you know... We've got monkey mania 2.0
0: exactly and it's weird to think back now because I want to think like for thus for us people that were in it before like you know the albums are still out there all this stuff was there for you to find but it took these kind of things to happen and kind of hold everyone's hand and go look here's the monkeys here it is presented right to you and uh, thank heavens it did
1: I'll
2: bet chunky made a lot of money that year
0: hey, you said he wouldn't call me that anymore anyway. I- I've <laughs> lost all that weight I've been on the Atkins diet. Oh, you mean oh the candy people that yeah. sponsored oh the chunky right. chocolate okay mm-hmm. yes. So many more dates had to be added with the explosion of Monkey Mania eighty six. Over one hundred cities were on this tour date, beginning in Atlantic City. It was interesting because let me let me also put in a little interesting personal Philip. this, of course, we're flashing forward a few months after February, because it's like maybe May. Again, no internet. I'm standing in the lunch line with the local, not the break magazine or the free local paper. We had like a little newsletter that the campus would get. And there was a music column called nosy Nate. And all it said was rumor has it that the monkeys are getting together again and touring again. And that was it. And of course, to a lifelong fan thing, he'd never see these guys, even as a solo thing, a solo, uh, presentation, I was amazed. And that was it. And I mean, even in June, coming home, driving home from Sarasota, hearing a wisecracking DJ going, Hey, we've heard the monkeys are getting back together. That's great. Who's going to play their instruments for them this time? Now, here's that new one from Wham! But that was all I had to go on. You had nothing. Now, of course, you know, they can announce the newest thing for your favorite TV series. It's on Facebook, it's on the internet. You can tweet the stars, they can tweet you. Twitter! I heard about that Twitter. So that's that's all I heard about it back then. You tell mm-hmm. me how where you were personally in this job. I was
2: still it was 19, 1986. I was I was working in an auto parts store at that time. Me knowing nothing about cars, but um I had been in radio from eighty four to eighty six and was working at a working weekends at a classic rock station like 99.7 the Fox here in Charlotte. And um that's when I heard. Uh, they came to Pine Knob, which is around the Pontiac area where the old Pontiac Silverdome used to be, right along in that area. In Virginia, there, right? Hey, no, well, Michigan. Michigan.
0: Michigan, sorry. Michigan. Uh, Michigan. You say Michigan. We say Michigan. Say what Michigan. Wait, what? No. Davion laughing once had a whole routine.
2: Uh, aha. Oh, so I do remember yeah. that one. I have to go work that one up. Yeah, um, you say Michigan. You say I... Michigan.
1: Michigan.
2: Oh. All right, say. go
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it was, uh, they had three shows at Pine Knob. And I could not afford to go to any one of the three of them, so I missed out on that. So, but um, was one of the was one of the points you're going to make, before I Because I got I got some numbers to back this up here. So, the.
0: yes, this tour became so popular that the guys ended up with the third highest grossing tour of that year.
2: Yeah. Now, let me give you some numbers. I, I did some numbers, and this is what mm-hmm. I found: the three, uh, two shows that they did at Pine Knob, not three, two shows they did at Pine Knob in Michigan, three hundred ninety-one thousand. Holy mackerel! The Mann Music Center in Philadelphia. I saw one that show, one. I was there. Three hundred eight thousand. Yeah,
0: I spent about, um, I think, at least one and a half thousand on that show alone. Wow! Yeah.
2: Three shows. The three shows at the Greek Theater in LA, which we will discuss a little bit more shortly. Three hundred three thousand. The Wisconsin State Fair uh, in in Milwaukee. One show. Two hundred seventy thousand. And then in uh, Foxborough, where the Patriots play now, what used to be known as Sullivan Stadium, $353,000. Are these American dollars? Yes, these are American dollars. And they did actually play Charlotte at the end of the tour. uh, I was there for that. November 30th of that year.
0: Actually, there were two Charlotte shows. One in October, we had a miss because an art school friend was getting married and I Mm -hmm. was uh, attending his wedding. Mm -hmm. And then right before Christmas. And again, this is the period where they're adding and adding and adding Mm -hmm. so many more shows. I got to see the Christmas Charlotte Mm -hmm. concert.
2: So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I was I, And I was still living in Michigan at the time, so I missed that one out. So, but, yeah, I mean, we're talking some serious, serious dollars here.
0: Well, let's talk about the nature of the show. Of course, none of us knew what to expect, just that we knew the guys were together. In many cases, we didn't even know how they looked these days or how the tour would look. Some footage started coming out from the Atlantic City show because by then there was all that interest, and you better believe cameras were on them when they stepped back on stage. But Davey choreographed, a very Vegas style review show. We're we'll getting into that in a bit. The set list included not just the hits that we expect, but a lot of deeper cuts. We loved as fans. And this was kind of surprising. Songs like cuddly toy. Look out. Here comes tomorrow. No time. Giant step. Things like that. She, which always
1: mm-hmm.
0: amazed me because they've, they've even done that recently.
2: Yeah. Well, she's always been a staple of every, every right. show. Um, just like going down, just like all the hits. Oh, I they
0: got cut that out and I wouldn't be sad.
2: well, <laughs> I would just like to hear Mickey sing the third verse one more time, just just to so that he can do it. I'd like
0: to hear him sing the first verse three more times. No. Oh, the third verse one more time.
1: There you go. Okay.
0: All right. Um, now, my first glimpse of any of this was, it's probably, I'm back from art school, it's probably late summer. No, probably early summer of 86. And Entertainment Tonight runs a clip from the press conference where Peter, of course, is manhandling the mic dummy and... We're getting our first look and we're like, is Davy's hair, does he have a mullet? Well, they didn't call them mullets then. Does he have pink in his hair? Oh my God, yeah, look, oh, they look so old. Yes, we thought they looked old and now it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. We should all be so lucky to be so well-preserved. But I remember hearing clips from the show and it was so Vegasy. and I'm gonna probably run a clip right here or so, but I remember being disappointed thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting what we all saw on Monkeys on Tour, that, that small band rock and roll. We grab them by
2: the... Store in the back right. along with yeah, well yeah.
0: that for the solo piece but now we've got a horn section and you know they play the horn oriented monkeys theme and it sounds like you know Sammy Davis Jr. is going to swing out and you know I'm grateful don't get me wrong but it was kind of like you know just not what I expected let's take a little pause to give you a little clip here of what made me so crestfallen in 1986 as I dry my eyes and pull myself back together Even the YouTube comments section from where I plucked that little audio gem just now. They talk about how schmaltzy and vegasy that stuff sounded back then.
2: Alright, alright, I'm good. Alright, yeah, you okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, <clears throat> I saw you hyperventilating during that james but the,
0: the cool thing... I, I promised myself just one podcast, I wouldn't cry. Just one time.
2: <laughs> Hell, no, you got me doing it. No. But the one thing that I found very cool is not only did they do that, they also... Peter had written a new song during this time, and it ended up—if I, I remember—it right, it ended up as the B side of "Heart and Soul," right? It sounds right. Yeah, "Heart" it had to be "Heart and Soul" because they had the pink cover, so. Um, but it is it, MGBGT, which is turned into one of my favorite live cuts, and I have called that cut from the 1986 tour CD. What? Yes, I have called that. Yes, calling. <laughs> C U L L E D? That's right. It's called editing it out of the entire CD. It's called pulling the entire CD up in audition and cutting out that little part. So,
0: Did you know uh, dubbing, the term dubbing, D U B, it not only refers to making a copy of something in the audio sense, but also it's a type of shoe polish used on especially military footwear. Crickets? All right. Back to our
2: show. All right. And now, and meanwhile, those, that, that, that's, that's for the benefit of those of you who have just tuned in. Now, back to the story.
0: Meanwhile, back at the ranch
2: but yeah uh I, and i because i wanted to play because it's one of my favorite cuts of all time so here we are we're going to share a second one with you peter Tork performing MGBTT live from the 86 concert tour Baby, my mind
1: is
3: Heavens, my red M-G-P-G-T Tooling, fueling, my good feelings Could feeling, me. a place to go? Soaring, flooring, going in My little way deep, Folks, this little car of mine Is like a kitten purring proudly. Sometimes it even seems to soar Into the heavens, my red M-G-P-G. Before you treasure them, that's how it goes. And I, I didn't give time to my car. Lost my time, time, what did I know? And so life carries on and lots of things are better now, homie. And yet you I know, think back on those golden times when I had my red empty
2: We're back. <laughs> now, I wanted you, I wanted you to tell I wanted you to relay the story that Me? Nez. Yeah, that Nez always tells about the uh, uh, about the 86 Yes,
0: tour. two other amazing things happen on that tour. A monkey finally watched a monkey's concert. That is, a monkey attended as a fan in the audience taking in a monkey's concert from afar. Mike Nesmith tells the story of how during the filming of Square Dance. He became somewhat smitten with actress Winona Ryder.
2: Who just happened to be only 15 at the time. Uh,
0: Not too creepy at all. They were filming around the Dallas area and the Monkees tour came to Arlington Stadium and Winona wanted to go see them badly. We're getting into a weird daddy-daughter vibe here. Okay. Nez explained that he really couldn't take her because obviously he was once a monkey and things would get out of hand and he'd be recognized. So he dressed up in what he described as almost a Colonel Saunders type of disguise, yeah. Put the put the
2: put the pillow gut. Put the pillow in gray hair, hat, mustache, dark sunglasses. Yes, he look like he look like a Colonel Sanders.
0: I just had an idea for the next Colonel Sanders in these new
2: ads they're running. Nah, he's too old for
0: it. Light bulb. I can't think of this bulb hanging over my head.
2: He got. He said he got her tickets in the. He got a couple of cheap seats, and he took
0: Winona, and they enjoyed the show. Now think about what a surreal experience this is. A disguised Mike Nesmith, I guess, not getting recognized, though I heard a few people would cast some curious glances in his direction. After the concert, Mike called up Mickey to tell him what an enjoyable show it was. He said, quote, it was sensational.
2: Well, that's the cool thing. The other thing that I read about it is that uh, in him talking about this show, he says he loved the way Mickey sang, loved the way Davey sang, and what really struck him was the love that was going on back and forth between the guys giving to the fans and the fans giving to the guys because... If you think about it, out of all the great performers that have ever had fan bases, I truly think that the love between us and the guys is the most genuine and the most powerful of them all. Even, even, even more than the Beatles.
0: I think you're right, and it was amazing that Mike had that revelation. Mike had that revelation mm-hmm. uh, again. Wisdom teeth problems at the time. And he said, I remember uh, you know, Davey making his his bad Texas Mike impression. You know. uh, Davey recalling what Mike said. And, well, you know, Mickey really was quite a singer. A good thing we used him on a lot of the singles. And Davey sure moves around. He's cute. Davey sure is cute. And uh, Peter's good with all
2: those instruments. And, and
0: should have had it lined up like this all the time.
2: Well, that's the funny thing about it. Was, is that was the other thing that struck me. When I was on stage, all I was trying to do was play loud enough to be heard. So he never... He never really felt the energy. All he felt was the screw, the, the noise.
0: Right. So flashing back, pushing him backward on the stage.
2: The colors, the colors. <laughs> oh, that's your line. I'm sorry.
0: Well, the pink little waving arms. Yeah, that's too. that's true.
2: Then, all right, that's the first one. Then the second thing, it happened. Yes. September the seventh. I got my routine. 1986. And I got my I, my mustache finally grew in. Oh. Is that what that was? Less than a week before the actual 20th anniversary of the debut of the TV show, it happened. Michael Nesmith came home. He joined the guys for the very last portion of the Greek theater tour, the Greek theater show. Uh, After the crowd finally calmed down, they went in to listen to the band and then Pleasant Valley Sunday. Five days short of the 20th anniversary, the circle was complete. And and when you watch it these days... As a matter of fact, what? guess what else I've called in 1986? You called CD. it. You called it called? Yes, I called it. I chopped. We have we that do? song. What? We have. You're that kidding. That song? Yes. We have the. We we'd like to introduce the band to Mike. <laughs> so yes. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that made the monkeys come full circle. September the seventh, 1986. Michael Nesmith walks on stage for the first time at the Greek Theater and joins them and listens to the band.
3: One, two, listen. <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. So i get your you player, Mr. Magic Fingers himself. It's Mr. Dusty Handman. <laughs> well, I, I, I taught him that, you know. I All right. Him.
2: And to top everything off, Mike showed up at the end of the year. The Monkees did a Christmas medley for MTV.
0: MTV used to pick what their top-ranking artist of the year to present yep. a Christmas
2: video. That's right, and the Monkees were that for 86, I mean, because it was Monkey Mania 2.0. And all of a sudden, throughout this thing, you see a guy walking around in a Santa Claus outfit. Yeah. Well, as they come to the end of the night, off comes the hat, off comes the beard, off comes the sunglasses, and guess
0: who it
1: is? It's Ringo. Wrong band lads
2: it's, uh, it's Peter Nolan. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. No. That's two strikes, pal. Think, uh, think monkeys. Come on now. Come on. Oh, just Oh, yes.
0: Rob Roy Fingerhead. Roy,
1: Fingerhead. Roy Fingerhead. Fingerhead?
2: Yes. Papa Nez came home again. So he showed up at the very end. And it's so funny to see Peter. Peter was a lot sillier back then. And during that time, he was really cleaning up his part but that was the perfect way to end 1986 with Nez and the guys together for Christmas.
0: It was. It was very uh, a very amazing time for all of us that, again, thought they'd never see these guys in any in any way. And here they are back with not just a, a, a successful tour and the reruns and the accolades and, and the press coverage, but also to Rhino Records that year came out with all the original albums. For those of us that didn't have the reissues from Japan, it didn't have this weren't haunting yard yard sales to find the mono pressing of birds and the bees. Here are all the albums on. I'm going to put in the ta-da sound effect again. All these old albums on cassette. Finally for you young people that meant they could be played in cars. Although I had a custom eight track player in my truck that I can make my own eight tracks. I had a special audio device. You had a
2: recorder, yeah, eight track recorder. I I did,
0: but no, having the stuff on cassette and, Rhino putting the care that they did then and now, yep, and then and now get it, into these these projects it was an amazing
2: thing. It's funny you should mention that, that was then, this is now. Um, as I said earlier, uh, another quick memory: I was working overnight. This was going into a Sunday night, Monday morning, and I still had a friend over at the AM station that I used to work with that did overnights. He said, "Yeah, man, didn't you know that the monkeys had a new single out?" I went, "What?" I went. <laughs> So I'm driving home at I'm driving home at 5:15 in the morning a.m. and my buddy uh, Rick at the other station. and hey, this is for our monkey. This is for my monkey's buddy Alan. Yeah, Alan, here it is for the first time in 20 years, the monkeys with a brand new song. Well, that was then. This is now. And I'm listening to it, and I like,
1: "Holy!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that was, and, and then of course. We'll 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 talk about that next. We'll talk about that at another time. But that
0: was an amazing thing. I forgot to mention they had a hit single too, a top 20 charting single Yep. on top of what I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember hearing they, they were going to have a new single out. And again, this is before this age of, you know, the volumes of information we had have now. And I remember just listening to the radio and drawing at my little desk and hearing the human leagues were only human. Was that one of their...
2: Long, I'm only human but I would long. hear these
0: songs, and they wouldn't announce who it was until the end of the song. I'm like, is this the new single? No, that's the Human League. Is this the new single? Because you said, no. Mm-hmm. And you thought, well, maybe if I listen to the radio, they'll play it and I'll hear it. Mm-hmm. And I liked it pretty much. It's a little uh, lightweight for me, but it was a good, well, I good think pop it, uh, single.
2: Because they actually brought, brought Vince Brescia out on stage in one mm-hmm. of the earlier shows of the 50th right. anniversary tour this should to sing it with him, so... Yeah, I wrote it for was it the mosquitoes?
1: The mosquitoes. Oh, mosquitoes. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right, not Bingo Bango Bongo and Irving, but mm-hmm. the real mosquitoes.
0: I, you're, you're working on getting Irving on the show, right? yes, the I Interview, am. yeah. Yes, you I. You got his contact information?
2: Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, well. Oh, I, well I, I had his that. contact information.
0: Well, forget that. <laughs> so I guess much, we can still get maybe uh, some of the banana splits. So much for the so much for the Zika
2: virus that way. So, right. but. Um, that 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 brings to a close. That, that, those are our memories and a little bit of fun facts about the 86 tour. Memories.
0: So. Like the corners of our minds. Oh,
2: Lord. If you go any further. Misty water watercolored Pardon memories. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen. Turn your heads for a second. Yeah. Uh, get that crap out of here. Okay. Now that we've bored you for the last half an hour on the 86 What do you tour, got, statistics? And statistics? No. And now to our final segment of the show. Um, what I wanted to do is like, I wasn't able to get the Mythbuster that I wanted for this week, so I'm still working on that, the next one, so what I wanted to do from time to time is talk about some of the, take a specific show and talk about some of the actors that were in the cast for that show, give you a little bit of background on them, give you a little bit of stuff you might not know about, and stuff, if you're, if you're a fan of the show, you probably know a lot of stuff, but there might, there might be a few things that surprise you, so, which one do you want me to, which one do you want me to do this week, Al? Since I've got a friend who's a big
0: monster fan, in fact, he even knows about and has sought out the episode we're about to talk about, let's detail the career of Lon Chaney Jr. Well, it's almost Halloween.
2: That's right. Arr! Arr! That's right. We'll look at monkeys in a ghost town this week. So, And I'll get to Lon in a minute, but you see, there were a couple of other really, really interesting things in there and mm-hmm. there other other interesting people in there. But this is the one thing that I found that I did not know. Yes. You being an animation fan like I am, in the scene where the Monkey Mobile dies in the middle of the ghost town, would you believe that's actually Mel Blank's voice?
0: I Pro- saw that recently. Why would they need a voiceover guy to do a car sound, car well, engine?
2: Well, because that was one of his most famous things. He, Mel Blank, of course, the, the voice of all the great Looney Tunes characters that we've come to know and love over the years, was also a very prolific radio actor. And he worked for years with Jack Benny. And one of the things that he used to do was the sound effects for Benny's 1928 Maxwell. You know, I, that's true. That's true, and that's the Believe it or not, that's the sound effects they used, which I I did not honestly that, did not. That's
0: know. right, because the car's breaking down. That's
2: right. So, but yes, that's your that's your strange fact for the week for that particular show. So, I want to start out with George, the character of George. You see, the one that goes, Lenny, tell me a line.
0: Now let's talk about what all that is based on too.
2: I, I'm, I'm getting to that. That's oh. part of the line. All right, well, we'll All start right. with Lon Chaney Jr. That's a, for those of you who know the, about the character Lenny in this movie, Lon Chaney plays a less than intelligent, uh, you know, dumb as a brick uh, hood. And when he tells him to, he says, Lenny, he calls him Lenny. He says, Lenny, give me a line. What's the line now?
0: You guys ain't going nowhere. That's right. Now, Wait a minute. We just got a call from an irate representative of the Brick Union, the... uh they, they say they... What's that? They're upset with your line, quote, dumb as a brick, quote. Uh, listen, we we'll are take that out in ed- editing. We'll take that out in post, okay?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I promise. Yeah, right. I promise. It'll Thank never make it'll, it'll, it'll the final cut.
0: Have a good day. Thanks for calling. Thank you. You too. Thank you.
2: Suckers. <laughs> but that is taken... The character name of Lenny is taken from a very famous uh, John, a movie based on a John Steinbeck novel called Of Mice and Men. And did you know that there is a second of Mice and Men connection in the monkeys television show.
0: And I covered this on Zilch and some of the other monkeys Facebook pages. The appearance of Burgess Meredith?
2: As the Penguin, yes.
0: But Burgess, why does that tie into Mice and Men?
2: Because Burgess Meredith and uh, Lon Chaney Jr. were the two guys that were together. Uh, Burgess Meredith's character was the one that always tormented Lenny.
0: And now we're talking about an earlier version, movie version of, of, of Mice, Mice and Man. Men. Mm-hmm. There have been many remakes. In fact, um, Beretta... Tony Blake? Mm-hmm. Robert, Robert Blake. Blake was in an 80s version. Mm-hmm. And there have been, I just saw a recent one within the last year on AMC or something. But that is the definitive
2: version. Right. So. And well, I remember. Blancini was, uh, was nominated for an Oscar for that performance, I do believe. And
0: when I watched it, I actually got some screen grabs and put it on the various monkeys' mm-hmm. Facebook page to tell me what the connection is. That's right. um, so that's also a little nod when you see the Lenny character grab the mouse. Mm-hmm. And that's a little wink to people that remember his role as. Lenny man. from of Mice, In, of Mice and Men.
2: But that's not Lon Chaney's big claim to fame. Lon Chaney, for those of you who grew up like I did, watching lovable 40s, 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. Z-grade horror schlock movies, Boy. Lon Chaney Jr. was one of the big three. It was Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and Lon Chaney Jr. Lon Chaney was m- most well-known for his portrayal of the Wolfman, but he's actually played all the three big ones he's played the wolf man true he's played Dracula and son of Dracula Count Alucard mm-hmm. and he's also played um, Frankenstein Monster um, but uh, he's done some of his great movies he's played the mummy too as a matter of fact that's right here I am mummy, mummy man. man thank you nice. uh, yeah, but, this is mummy man
1: <laughs>
2: hey, watch this mummy
1: so,
0: but I mean he's do uh, the scare the monkey scare a <laughs> <laughs> little, little lower. Huh?
2: Like, okay all right so, Benami, mean, he started as uh, in the Wolfman, uh, son of Dracula. He's done three movie, three mummy movies: Mummy's Tomb, Mummy's Ghost, Mummy's Curse. Frankenstein meets Wolfman, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, House of Blues, House of <laughs> House of Horrors. No, I'm kidding.
0: I know I'm crying again. You make me miss my mummy.
2: <laughs> and Costello meets. I Frankenstein. want my
0: mummy. Hey, Abbott
2: and Costello meets. I Frankenstein. always say the
0: jokes that worked in vaudeville work today. If it worked in 1912. It'll work in 2016. Thank you. All,
2: right. All you have to do is watch a little Benny Hill at the same.
0: Or Laugh in, or mm-hmm. The monkeys. That's
2: right. <laughs> but I mean, and he also starred in a couple of TV series, Hawkeye and The Last of the Mohicans, where he played Chinga, C- Chinga Cook. Mm-hmm. Chinga I had Cook. that
0: for lunch yesterday. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he hosted a horror <laughs> anthology show called 13 Demon Street. Ooh. And um, he had a recurring role on a western that I've seen bits and pieces of that I really didn't care for. It's called Pistols and Petticoats. Hmm. So, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. was born. Uh, February tenth, nineteen oh six, died uh, July twelfth, nineteen seventy three. He was sixty seven. Uh, had a uh, was, was a bit tormented. Had a had a problem with alcoholism and all that.
0: I always felt he was constantly under the shadow of his father, and it was hard for him to. Of course, deal yes.
2: with. His father was the great silent actor Lon Chaney, who was known as the Man of a Thousand Faces, uh, well known for uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame and uh, Phantom of the o- the original Phantom of the Opera. Take that, Michael Crawford. Right. <laughs>
0: And we won't get into the Michael Crawford DC Comics connection right now. No, that'll
2: that'll be for a much later episode.
0: That's our uh, DC Comics Obscure Reference
2: podcast. We're starting next week. That's right. Now, moving on to his partner, George. Actor's name was Len Lesser. Name Mm -hmm. ring a bell? It does for me. Len was born in uh, December 3rd, 1922. Died February 16th in 2011 at the age of 88. He's actually in two episodes of The Monkees, this, and played one of the cartwheels in Monkeys in Texas. Um, he was a very well-known. Here, this is this is your Marvel Comics snipe. Mm. He actually was. He actually had a role in one of the um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man show, 1977, with Nicholas Hammond. Right. Right. Um, he also appeared nine times on Everybody Love Raymond, and the less said about that show, the better. Yeesh. Uh, had roles in the great Steve McQueen Dustin Hoffman movie Papillon. Uh, the Clint Eastwood classic Outlaw Jesse Wales even appeared in an episode of two of Get Smart would you believe two cops and a robot would you believe three stand up figures in a blender oh yeah I'm sorry <laughs> forgive me for having a brain fart there's one other um what was the name of that comedy show about nothing oh, friends um, or something no or? no no who are these, oh, who
1: are these Stein, people? Stein Steinbrenner Stein, or something. Stein. Stein McNeil or something. That's right.
2: Glenn Lesser was the most well known for the character of Uncle Leo in the second greatest uh, sitcom of all time. It will never be number one uh, above I Love Losing, Seinfeld.
3: Jerry, hello! <laughs> Uncle Leo, who are you? Who are these people?
2: So. I didn't they,
0: steal the pen, Jerry! <laughs>
2: And now we come to my favorite, my, my favorite monkey's co-star of all time. And that is the legendary Rose Marie. Hello if the you're listening, woman. Rose. Rose, we need you to listen. We'd like to talk to you at some point. I, everybody loves them. I can't, I can't do it. But this woman has had, she is 93 years old. She is still going strong. She's actually going to appear in a new show on the USA Network next year called Sold. It's a sitcom. Ninety-three, And she's still, she, she she's amazing. She was a child star known as Baby Rose Marie. She was actually, um, the night they debuted the jazz singer, the first sound talking, is she was one of the shorts prior to that. And she always tells the story that Jol- Jolson was a real, thank you. We're getting
0: a lot of uh, mileage out of, out of yeah. the uh, beat button.
2: Out of the dump button today. Yes. But, and she, because Jolson was a, Jolson hated kids, but. She's done it all. She's done vaudeville. She's been a nightclub entertainer. She's been on Broadway. She's done uh, radio. But I think most of all, you'll remember her from a little show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. that went from 1961 to 1965, where she played Sally Rogers, one of the comedy writers team. There's just something about her presence.
0: Who writes this stuff? That's right. Well, <laughs> now we stuff.
2: know. That's right. She's actually done a couple other things that you would be interested in because they're animated, right? she, um Those of you who used to watch Hollywood Squares for a long time, she was a long-time uh, along with Paul Lynn, Charlie Weaver Wally Cox a one long of the, time uh, one of the squares mm-hmm, that's right she actually did voices on the old yogi's gang uh, TV show 70s 70s yep she uh she's one of the villains a lot of litter she also did the real ghostbusters but she truly is to to, to watch her she's a, she's an incredible entertainer she can sing she can dance she can tell jokes and you know she just she made the big woman you know that was it was yes. nice that they got the chance to to um to uh, let her sing. And then, of course, she was newly on Monkey Mom.
0: Now, I remember watching Monkeys in a Ghost Town as a kid in the 70s, and that was an unexpected twist mm-hmm. because you're led to believe this is going to be some gangster type and he's going to polish off the guys and some guy walks in and all right, I'll talk, you listen. And it turns out to be Rosemarie and you're like... And then she turns out to be a very formidable, mm-hmm. very uh, able bad guy.
2: Yeah. Now take him out and kill him. That was beautiful, boys. Now take him out and kill him. <laughs> You're cute,
0: Lenny. Shoot
2: him. Yeah. Shoot this one last. (laughs) But yeah, but that uh, that is the information that I have from some of the actors on *Monkeys in a Ghost Town*, and we will do more, God willing, uh, as the podcast (laughs) continues.
0: Right. You know, wasn't enough. Oh, I mean, no. We we look forward to much more. That's right.
2: So that wraps up another laugh-filled episode. Unless you have something else, yes, please go ahead with the plugs.
0: The plugs. Oh, you've been talking to my uh, hair doctor, right? Mm -hmm. My uh, they said just a few more of these and. I'll look like Lon Chaney and the Wolfman Lon Chaney Jr. anyway crickets crickets thank you again please thank you they say pause for your for your applause accept your applause graciously please visit us online easiest place to find us is Facebook just look for Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast and you'll find (laughs) us oh that's a mouthful oh boy Or go to our ever-growing, ever-lovely podcast page, t-p-c-h-c-monkeyscast.blogspot.com.
2: While I'm thinking about it, since he never plugged it himself, Al is one of the most talented comic book artists there is that I know of today. So if you want to check out his great superhero work, his great work with his book, Towboy and Engine, and then what was the the one, the tag, the one that you got to meet over the the weekend? Tug. Tug tug
0: a hero among us which is a special comic book that helps dogs and animals in need kind of
2: a animal rescue charity group see that's the kind of person he is ladies and gentlemen that's www.al so that wraps it up for another laugh-filled episode we hope we haven't bored you too much you know, and hopefully this will allow us to do a third podcast we may have to cut this 86 tour stuff a little up a little bit so
0: no, it's good. People want to listen to three hours of us yakking. Why that's not? That's
2: true. Uh, but we want to thank again the, the podfather, Ken Mills, uh, who runs the Zilch Podcast for all his guidance and, and help and everything. Uh, we want to thank everybody out there that has listened to the first one, that's checked out the Facebook page. Um,
0: I want to thank everyone that's listened to us so far and is still coming back and has survived and uh, actually wants more of this
2: nonsense. That's right. And we will, we will be happy to give you more of this nonsense coming up probably in the next two weeks. Hopefully.
0: I yeah. want to thank myself. I want to thank Andrew Sandoval and the people at Rhino. Just amazing when I think about what they've given us over the years. The, the, even, like I said before, even one or two of these, the sets, the, the CD deluxe editions, the visual stuff, the, the box set recently released of the show, the Blu-ray set, any and, of it is, and then, is amazing.
2: And then the brand new, I actually saw the two new ones yesterday, Monkeys Forever and Monkeys 50 at FYE yesterday. Wow. So, just amazing. Um, but it's what what I like about it is all this is a man who's dedicated his life to 60s music. True. He's not just the monkeys, but the work that he has put in to dig up all the stuff to to write all the dialogue, all all the things that he shared with us. It's amazing. And when we got to meet him at uh, Charlotte in in, uh, in March or May when it was, it was it was phenomenal. So Andrew, thank you so very much once again. We want to uh, we want to push the Zilt Zilch podcast.
0: Let's, let's mention that while we're while we're mentioning Ken Mills, give the Zilch podcast a listen to if you like Monkeys, if you like podcasts, most importantly if you like Monkeys podcasts, go check them out at zilchmonkeyscast.blogspot.com. Yep. We need to point out we are not affiliated with the Monkeys Rhino Records, any of that kind of thing, Warner Brothers, the Aerosene. red the red brick defamation league. Uh, we may be affiliated with them soon, though.
2: Uh, that now Our lawyer may be affiliated with them soon, but yes. Um, this is just two guys who are giving you their opinions and their memories about the monkeys. We, we want to thank everybody again for tuning in. And remember, save the Texas Prairie Chicken.
0: Let's catch it.